And now we arrive at Sam number two. There's no way that I'm Sam number two on my own show. I don't think so. <laughs> We are back and uh, we are in London, central London, actually, at this point in time, we are sitting in the Feathers pub across the street from the St. Irwin's Hotel because we disembarked the Disney cruise ship a couple days ago now. And so we just wanted to wrap up our recording and our thoughts on our Norway cruise experience. When we left off, we were recording an Eidfjord, but we hadn't actually talked to anything going on in that port or what we had done. And so we want to start there. Uh, the ship docked into Eidfjord. I think it was about 9.30 in the morning. Was that our port arrival time, Sam? Do you remember? Yeah, that sounds about right. We had an excursion. Well, first, let me say the sail into Eidfjord, gorgeous. It's like a 111 mile long fjord or something like that. And uh, beautiful sailing into the fjord. Weather in Eidfjord was not as good as we had had in Nordfjord Eid or Olesen, but still a nice day. I think we had a little bit of rain at one point, maybe, but nothing that really deterred us from being outside and enjoying ourselves. We did have a short excursion book through Disney. Recall that uh, Eidfjord is one of their new ports of call. This was the first time that the Disney Magic had called on Eidfjord, or really Disney Cruise Line had called on Eidfjord. We had booked a Nature Center waterfall excursion. It also took us out to a, a lake that was fed by a glacier and had a big dam across it. I will say not the greatest excursion, but I'm going to let Sam talk about that excursion a bit. Yeah, it was called the Waterfalls and Hardinger Nature Center excursion. The, it was not an early morning, so that was kind of nice. It was kind of a later morning. I think we met at about 10, 15 in the morning, something like that. Uh, we got on a bus and the bus actually took us pretty close to, um, it was only maybe a 15 minute drive to the nature center. The nature center was cool. It was like we learned about the glaciers, learned a little bit about the wildlife in the area. But the negative about it, well, there were two negatives. One, we saw a movie at the beginning that was about 20 minutes long. It was kind of like a, I'll call it a Soren light because it had like a nice big screen. Hold on. I got to say something about this. This movie was clearly shot in the 90s. The soundtrack and the way they use sound was hilarious. I really just want to donate a drone to this nature center so they can update the footage of this film because Sam's comparing it to Soren. The quality, nowhere near that. Agreed. I just meant like it was like huge screens. It didn't go all the way around and it didn't have a talk track. It wasn't a bad movie, but it was 20 minutes long and I could have skipped it. And we spent 90 minutes at the nature center, which we did not need 90 minutes at the nature center. We could have spent, I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes at the nature center. Oh, the, I will say the highest was seeing on top of the cafe and uh, there was a, a little call it restaurant cafe uh, across the street that was part of the nature center. They actually had live goats on top of the building. So that was kind of cool. That was where the goats basically lived. But when we got back on the bus, we took a drive to I believe it was the dam first uh, and the, the dam from the dam or from the lookout point over the dam, we could see the Hardanger Glacier, which was cool. But it was quite it was quite windy up there. But we only got to spend 15 minutes there taking pictures of like the lake, the dam and the glacier. And I would have really liked to spend, I don't know, 30 minutes or so there so we could take a bunch of view, a uh, bunch of pictures. And also to get to walk on top of the dam because you could have. But it was just we didn't really have enough time to do that. Then we got back on the bus and went to what I would call the main attraction, which was this very large, beautiful waterfall with amazing views in the background. But again, we only were given 15 minutes at the waterfalls. I think actually the tour guide extended it to 20 minutes, but there were multiple lookout points and we could not hit all those lookout points. And we, there was even a bridge that you could have gone over like that was above the waterfall. But there was no way we could get there and back and still have taken pictures at the other you know, location. So it was a real rush. I liked all three sites that we saw. I just felt like the time, uh, the time for the excursion was completely backwards. We had way too much time at the Nature Center and not enough time at the other two locations especially given that it was called Waterfalls and Nature Center. And I will say, we only saw one waterfall, so a little bit misleading. It wasn't a bad day. It was actually a really nice day uh, as far as, you know, exploring. But it just, like I said, it was not 
the description wasn't great for that excursion and it was completely backwards in the amount of time. What I did like about it is that the excursion total was only maybe three hours or so, maybe three and a half hours. And so when we got back, from our, when our bus drove us back to the port, we were able to walk around Eidfjord, which was really a cute little town. I think it was the smallest of the ports that we visited. And as Brian said, it was the first time that a Disney Cruise Line ship was visiting this port. Um, so we were able to walk around, visit some shops, some cafes, that sort of a thing. So that part was really nice. I, and and then we hiked up this well street and then trail to this wonderful lookout point where it was a, basically a park, but where we could see the port and we could see the ship. And that was fantastic. And then we walked back down and there was a little park right off the port and took some more pictures. We uh, felt, you know, with our hands, the I guess it was the Norwegian Sea once again. Um, it was just a really beautiful location. And I think I think maybe some of our best pictures, other than, of course, the ones taken from the helicopter in Nordfjordide, are actually from Eidfjord. Yeah. And just to return to the Nature Center video for one second, best analog is like the videos that they play in some of the country pavilions in Epcot. And so like the Canada Pavilion video is what we heard it compared to. But again, not updated since the 90s. So loved the port of Eidfjord. Did not love the excursion. Definitely hoping Disney ups its game on those excursions because we heard more than one complaint from people about various excursions in Eidfjord. It's tough. Eidfjord, to put it in perspective, has like 900 people living there. It's a small town. So there's probably not a ton of options for Disney. So there was another ship anchored in the fjord. The Ida or Ada Diva was anchored out there and tendering folks in. The nice part about this was that we were actually docked. So they did tie us up to dock. Mickey did come out and greet some kids at the local park and uh, agree with Sam. Great time just wandering the town, getting something to eat, hiking the trail, getting some photos. Uh, just it was a nice port. I really liked it. I like these smaller ports where you can really like do an excursion and then there's enough time to experience some local food, walk around, see the sights, really get a sense for the whole town while you're there. So really did enjoy Eidfjord. We did leave Eidfjord quite late <laughs> in the evening, as I recall. Caught a beautiful sunset on our way out of the fjord. And it was also time for the frozen deck party. And uh, if you have not seen our photos out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the places, we did bring some costumes along and dressed up as Olaf and Sven. And so Sam was Sven. I was Olaf. We were not alone in dressing up for Frozen Night. I will say I thought Frozen Deck Party was kind of wah, 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 like not the best deck party we've experienced with Disney Cruise Line. Fun to see something different. But overall, I thought it was just kind of OK. I think part of that is, look, all the other deck parties end in fireworks, and that's not something that they can really do in the fjords. So, you know, totally understand that. But I don't know. I just didn't think it was all that fun. What did you think, Sam? Well, to me, not having the fireworks wasn't really the issue. It was just not that good of a deck party because the Sail Wave deck party doesn't have fireworks either. And that's a better deck party. I just thought it was not super well done. They did a, a bunch of different musical numbers, but like just dancing, but with songs that didn't like make sense, that didn't fit the theme. So it was just kind of odd. The characters out, uh, meaning the Frozen characters out on stage, it was better. But it, I just I have to agree. I don't think it was a great deck party. Um, but after the deck party, we headed right inside because we had dinner and we had the Frozen menu for dinner at Rapunzel's Royal Table. The Frozen menu, the highlight to me on the Frozen menu was actually the same appetizer we had in the Arendelle restaurant on The Wish, which is this scallops dish with a puff pastry. And it's, it was slightly different than the one on The Wish, but it's it's kind of like a scallop stew with it with a fr the huge puff pastry. It kind of looks like a French onion soup, but with a pastry instead of a cheese topper. And it was just a fantastic uh, appetizer. What did you think about the food on the frozen menu, Brian? Yep, I thought the food was okay. I will say overall, we heard mixed reviews of the main dining food throughout the cruise from other folks. Uh, the food was okay. Um, I will say at this point, main dining service was really, in my opinion, not what I was expecting. I heard some true horror stories from people who ordered like main dishes and didn't get them or were trying to flag down waiters and they weren't being paid attention to for 30, 45 minutes. We didn't experience that. What we lacked was a real connection with our server. And so I think we had hoped that after the first night where we kind of didn't really make a 
connection, it would improve. And it did, but it was never quite up to the standards that we've seen Disney Cruise Line have with main dining service. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I'm sure it's staffing, training, and a bunch of things kind of combining all into one. But I'll just say Disney needs to get its act together here pretty quickly. We are back to sailing. People are paying for these cruises and Disney charges a premium for the experience and the service. If the service is not there, then people are not going to pay that premium as quickly. So, um, but overall, I thought the menu for the Frozen Tech Party, fine. After dinner, we did hit up trivia for a hot minute just to watch the end of it. Did not win, but was fun. And then we were off to bed because Stavanger was a very early morning for us because we were hiking to Pulpit Rock. So we sailed from Eidfjord to Stavanger, which is the southernmost port that we went to in Norway. It is a major city, a very large city largest of the cities that we went to. It is the, I will call it the county seat for the district in which it sits. So it's a very, very large city. We pulled right into dock. You could get off the boat and go to restaurants, bars, uh, shopping, a lot of stuff. Uh, it was a cute little kind of almost seaside area that we were in. Lots of streets you could get just lost in and wandering around. Uh, but there was a whole city available to you. That said, we got off the ship at Oh, dark 30, <laughs> 715 in the morning uh, to get to Pulpit Rock. And for all of you out there who've heard about Norway cruises, you've probably heard about this Pulpit Rock excursion. It is a about five mile hike, although Sam's watch said six miles by the end of the day. It's got 1900 feet of elevation gain across the two and a half miles or so up. And then going down, you're losing that. Uh, it is a very nice trail, but I will just warn you, it is more strenuous than I think Disney really advertised it. We did do the hike in our sneakers because I refused to pack hiking boots for basically a one day use. That said, I wanted to call out a couple things about the hike. One is that you can, in fact, rent hiking boots at the base camp and trekking poles. And so if you're thinking about doing this hike, I don't know if like they might run out of them or you might not be able to get them and you may not want to rely on it, but I just want to call out it is an available option if you want to try to rent some boots at base camp and some trekking poles to help you up. I think in retrospect, I would probably would have rented both. Uh, the hike up was fine and my sneakers were perfectly fine. And I do hiking trails in Washington and Oregon where I use my sneakers all the time. And I've done some fairly strenuous and actually complicated hikes. And I used to do trail running up and down some pretty serious mountains in Washington. And so uh, I feel okay in my sneakers. That said, trail up, very well groomed. I mean, some of the woodwork they did for bridges and pathways across certain areas, I wanted in my backyard. They'd also placed large boulders and stones that they had clearly cut and, and sort of, you know, made flat into staircases. But the hike up was very strenuous and took us every bit of an hour and 45 minutes, if not two hours to get to the top to go to the two, two and a half miles up. When you get to Pulpit Rock, uh, it is an exposed rock face and it gets windy pretty quickly up there. At least it was windy for us. If it's rainy, it's going to be even a little bit more treacherous. There were some places where there were just smooth rock that you were walking on and at an angle. There were tiny, tiny spots that you had to navigate to get around boulders to get to the cliff face and lots of people. And so a combination of lots of people and winds really made me nervous. I'm a bit afraid of heights. I also think that there were people on our excursion who were older or maybe not as athletically able as they thought they needed to be for this hike. And that caused some problems. We heard from one of the guides that they generally have to call a helicopter at least a couple times a week for their tour to get people down off the mountain for twisted ankles or other reasons. We also heard, spoiler alert, that about 70 people a year fall off Pulpit Rock, uh, which was a nerve-wracking number to hear. Some of that is uh, folks who will say choosing to exit the rock vertically uh, for our younger listeners out there. Um, but some of it is just people who are not respecting the technicality of that rock face. And we actually were talking to a very experienced hiker who was watching people go out on the point and do jumping jacks and jump in the air with wind gusts hitting them and like for for pictures and that is just not respecting uh what i think this rock is about and uh it can very easily get you into trouble so i would just say know that it is strenuous know that it is longer than you think it's going to be and harder than you think it's going to be uh, the other thing i do want to call out for people who do choose to do it beyond the boot rental is that I'd say about three quarters of the way up, you walk across a series of 
cliffs that they've put chain railing on one side and people have chosen to do kind of what I'll call love locks there where they lock something on the chain railing um, much like they've done across bridges in France across the Seine uh, and so if you want to do that you got to bring your own lock no one told us about that so we didn't know it so I want to share it with you uh, but bring your own lock up there and you can lock it to the uh, the chain up there as a sort of you know you and your partner symbolizing your love forever at the top of Pulpit Rock I'm sure they come through as they do in the Seine and break those locks and bring them down every once in a while but yeah also be careful with cameras, cell phones, that sort of thing. We did hear of at least one person up there trying to take pictures who lost their cell phone down a crevasse. I'm sure that there is a money-making strategy at the bottom of that rock with uh, new cell phones and repairing them. But uh, it's strenuous hike. I-, I also see if it's raining, going down is worse than going up. The rocks were very slick on the way down. We had to be very, very careful in where we placed our feet and watch ourselves very carefully. One person in our sort of wider group of sailors that we were uh, with uh, said that he fell two or three times on the way down. So just be careful about that. At the base camp, I'll also fly. There's a nice little cafe and restaurant uh, where you can get food. The, the excursion included... Uh, food and I believe one bottle of water per person included like a box lunch. Uh, but if you're not into the pre-made sandwich, you can. I had a lovely chili in the restaurant at the hotel there at the bottom. Uh, other people I know were getting drinks and beers and other things at the end. So nice little spot there. Also a little gift shop where you can buy a memento. Uh, we got a nice pride t-shirt of Pulpit Rock for ourselves and some magnets, I think. So anyway, Sam, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Uh, but after Pulpit Rock, we headed back to Stavanger. Uh, and we ended up getting back in much earlier than I thought we would. So we did have some time to explore the city. But let me see if Sam has anything to add about our Pulpit Rock excursion first. So I want to give a couple of, well, I want to I want to say a couple of things about the Pulpit Rock climb. One, we were about an hour's drive from Savanger. So it was a bus ride back and forth each direction. So this was a longer excursion day. It had we had it, we had read in the description that it was 8 hours. It, it ended up being less than the, probably the 8 hours, but it was it was probably more like 6 or 7 hours, but it probably depends somewhat on the hikers that you're with um, because sometimes somebody ends up being uh, running late for uh, the bus ride back because they just take longer on the hike. We were told it would take us, you know, about two hours each way or two to two and a half hours each way, which doesn't give you a whole lot of time. If you're kind of a slow hiker, it doesn't give you a whole lot of time up at the top. Uh, There are some folks who had to kind of book it or had to make their their picture moments at Pulpit Rock uh, quite short. Echo about the strenuousness level or the difficulty level of this hike. So I am not a hiker. I'll preface this with that. I have hiking boots at home, but I have like never broken them in. So I did not bring my hiking boots because I probably would have had horrible blisters had I uh, done so. So I was wearing, you know, my sneakers just like Brian was. The thing I wanted to point out about this hike in particular is the mental energy that it took to do this hike was probably equal to the physical energy that it took. And by that, I mean, you had a lot of uneven terrain. There were these boulders that had been placed and it did create a, a kind of a beautiful path at times. But when you were going up or down at any point, which spoiler, even when you're going up Pulpit Rock, there are portions of the trail that you have to go down and then back up and then down and then back up. You had to be really thoughtful about where you were stepping. So you had to really pay attention. And so I found the mental energy that it took to be just as uh, equal to the physical energy that it took. I also want to say now, Brian and I are, are not um, Olympic athletes or anything. Brian and I work out with a trainer about four times a week to do strength training. And then Brian also does some running. I used to do running, but not so much anymore. I will say I I do think that this is not for the average couch potato. This is uh, more intense than that. So if you're choosing this excursion, choose wisely. Um, It's really an amazing view at the top. I'm not sure I would have gone if I had known about the 70 people who don't make it back each year. But I'm glad I did it. It's probably a one and done for me because it was really exhausting. And as Brian said, I actually think it for me, it was harder on the way down. I was quite hard on the knees because some of the steps, I'll call them steps, but they're, you know, you're sort of climbing boulders and large rocks. Some of them were, you know, a good 18 to 20 inches tall and stepping like that over and over and over again can be quite exhausting. So I'll leave it at that and pass back to Brian uh, for a little bit more talk about the Stavanger, the, the city of Stavanger when we returned. 
Yeah, so after we got done at Pulpit Rock, the tour did kind of drive through Stavanger and show us some of the sites and Stone with Three Swords in it, which is very famous, and yeah, just some other sites around town. When we got back to the ship, we did decide to just wander around kind of the port area. Again, lots of fun little restaurants, bars, restaurants. I'd say if you can get up past the first street you see, it gets much more interesting than kind of the street right along the edge of the the port there. But but just overall, Stavanger looked like a fun town to explore. I think if I went back now that we've done the Pulpit Rock hike, I would probably just use it as an opportunity to go explore the city a bit more rather than do an organized excursion. Uh, but overall, I thought Stavanger was just a fun little town to see. It was very different than sailing through the fjords, not as picturesque at all. Uh, the weather was also not the greatest for us in the afternoon. It was pretty overcast and rainy. After we got on board, we did have another Palo dinner. Fabulous as always. Enjoyed it. Not much to report there. After dinner, Sam did decide to go off and do some 1990s trivia that night. I I was not with her. That was the night I decided to call it a little early because I was exhausted. But uh, I will let Sam share the news of whether she did amazing or terrible. So I, I got to do a shout out to team Let's Get Quizzical. This was Haley, Drew, Scott, Laura. They were every night they were team Let's Get Quizzical. But I joined them for 90s music trivia that night. So I was part of the team. And we actually won. We had a perfect score. I was the only one who knew Boom Shake the Room, which is Will Smith, formerly known as the Fresh Prince. And of course, his uh, former partner, DJ Jazzy Jeff, was super fun, had a great time doing trivia with them. And I'm trying to remember if we stuck around for... uh, Oh, no, we we stuck around and just kind of chatted. But I believe there was a silent disco going on right after that. So, yeah, it was a, a really fun night, a really long day. And that does bring us to the final day of the cruise. We did have a Palo brunch in the morning. I do want to say I don't recommend Palo dinner at one night, followed by Palo brunch the next. But it's the first world problems of sailing concierge. You can get multiple meals in Palo. Before we head into what we did on the last day at Palo Brunch in the morning, we did do a little pass the mic with some of our friends who were sailing with us on board. And so I want to transition us into that so you can hear some thoughts from some others about what they thought of the Norway sailing, favorite ports, favorite excursions, that sort of thing. So going to take a pause in our own action here for that. All right. Hey, everybody. We are having brunch in the Palo Room on board the Magic. And we've got some friends with us around the table. There's 10 of us having brunch this morning, and it's a fantastic way to wrap up the cruise. And so we wanted to do some quick takes with uh, folks we've been sailing with on this uh, Norwegian Fjords cruise. So we're going to ask a question. Sam and I are... We'll answer last if we answer at all. But uh, we want to ask a question. We're going to have folks pass the mic around the table. And uh, folks who want to give answers can. And so our first question out to our group is going to be favorite port stop on this sailing and why? So Sam, I'm going to pass it down to the other Sam uh, to kick us off. Hello, I am the other Sam. I think my favorite port stop was probably Eidfjord. It was the only stop that we had where we didn't have an excursion and it gave us a chance to explore. It was more like a little village rather than a town, but it was also probably the first place that we stopped at that I could envision myself living. It was very, very cute. There was a lot to do, a lot to see. The scenery was probably the most stunning of any port that we were in. But yeah, it was the first opportunity we had to just check out the village and and live in that space for a short period of time. Um, So I will pass along to Chris. He also jumped in the fjord water, by the way. 15 degrees Celsius, which they tell me is, is an actual... Fahrenheit temperature? I have no idea what it is. Some, so yeah, it was cold. It was very cold. And uh, it, I put my feet in and that was more than enough. Um, it's really, really, well, A, it's really hard to pick a port because I can't pronounce any of the names of any of these cities. But the first day we got to do uh, the helicopter. So it's a helicopter that flies you over the, over. so you get to see the glaciers and we got to see the ship from above, which was North Fjord. Yeah, North Fjord Eye. And the pilot of the helicopter was just this lovely person who had just this wealth of knowledge about places. So you got to see uh, uh, Norway is like 90% renewable energy. So they're taking all the water and he showed us those where they're doing that. And these little houses that are up on the top of these mountains, which was so amazing. And 
helicopter is is crazy fun. But all of all of them were were amazing. We got to hi- do a hike up to uh, Pulpit Rock, which was so incredible. In the just hiking around in a small town in and of ourselves, and having we had reindeer reindeer burger. Fjord, yeah, I fjord, uh, which feels a little bit like we had Rudolph for lunch, but okay. Well, it was really yummy, but it was great. So um, there you go, all of them. Thank you, Chris, for that concise description of your favorite memories. I'm kidding you. <laughs> I'm completely kidding you. I think my favorite activity was the Brixdal Glacier. It's the biggest glacier in Europe. It's much bigger than any glaciers we've seen in the U.S. The other tie for that was probably the idea of coming on a cruise. My wife and I have never been on a cruise before. So being on the cruise has been a very educational and entertaining idea for us to finally follow through on. For that, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful to meet and know all of you and appreciate your hospitality with us this morning uh, with the brunch. And uh, we've made some very good memories this week with the landscape, the people, the cleanliness of the ship, and the way the crew handles everything. It's truly remarkable. And I'm my name is Laura, and I have to agree with him. The glacier was really, really pretty. In addition to the glacier, there were these waterfalls that were just spectacular. And in the distance and stuff. And it was just a really nice hike for everyone. And even though they said it was easy, it was a little bit harder than easy. Kind of like the last yesterday at Pulpit Rock was not quite moderate. But um, it was, it was, it's been a whole lot of fun this week. Thank you. That was uh, my mom. So this is Haley. And I think my favorite port um, was probably Nordfjordeid. Um, we did not do the helicopter tour. We did the that was when we did the Brixdal Glacier hike, um, which was awesome. Um, I just loved uh, the scenery that we got to see as we were driving through there. And I think the cruise was cool because we got and kind of similar to Chris's answer, we got a taste of what small villages are like in Norway, and we also got to see some of the like quote unquote larger cities, which for Norway is like you know a hundred thousand people is like a huge city, bustling metropolis. Um, so Stavanger was really cool too from that standpoint, um, just getting to see what a city looks like um, in contrast to some of the villages. So highly recommend the itinerary. And uh, so Drew, my husband, what do you think? Yeah, uh, not to sound like a broken record from the last few entrants, but I also love Nordfjordide going to the Bergstahl Glacier. I, it was very nice light. Uh, the hike to Stravanger up to Pulpit Rock was very nice, but was a little more strenuous than I think was maybe advertised. And the the hike to Burksdale and the payoff at the end was uh, almost equally as nice and and much easier. And so uh, my 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 favorite um, port was definitely Nordfjordine. So this is Randy. Eidfjord is actually mine on the list. So I'm going to be the odd man out. I think one because it was a shorter excursion, but it was a quick drive, quick being an hour, which excursions around here hours pretty good but then we had a cidery tour um so a local gentleman who has his own apple orchard and he creates his own ciders so i learned over here they call apple juice the juice as normal but if it's called apple cider it's the hard cider that we're used to back in the states all of this stuff was fantastic his apple brandy is absolutely amazing and definitely one of the best things i've ever had and i would tell you the name of the distillery but i really can't pronounce it whatsoever (laughs) um the other interesting thing was that we go through two tunnels in the mountains we go through more but there are two that actually have roundabouts inside the tunnel so two huge roundabouts inside the tunnels and they know actually how to drive around them here in norway (laughs) which is a plus and the last thing i wanted to say about about Eidfjord was if you're familiar with what the gorges look like up in the Finger Lakes region around Ithaca, multiply that by 50 and you'll have an imagination of what um, some of these look like because they're just absolutely stunning. Hi, this is Stacy, Randy's wife. One of my favorite ports was the Norfjordjide, and I'm sure I just butchered that. But at that port, we uh, did a fjords uh, riverboat cruise down uh, to a beautiful lodge where we stopped and had uh, some waffles and had some time to look around there and take in the beautiful waterfalls. Um, And the cidery was quite nice as well. Um, True family owned business uh, that they have now made their living off of and uh, how they partner with other local community based um, the businesses uh, to and the restaurants and they give back to their community. And again, the the ciders were were wonderful as well. So I will uh, I will give my favorite. I'm going to go. So I 
agree with everything that's been said. I also think it's a real testament to Disney choosing these two new ports on this itinerary that everyone around this table has named either Njordfjordide or Eidfjord as one of their favorite ports. I'm going to choose Olesund, though. I actually really enjoyed Olesund. It has a great walk up to an overlook that had just some great views of the ship. Uh, we did not walk up, but we did walk down. And I, so I just thought that was a fun little town to visit. And I thought it would be really interesting to go back and spend some more time in the town and not on a, a Disney excursion. And to give you a sense to Olesund, I think was probably the second largest city that we visited on the trip. Stavanger was the largest. And then... Um, Eidfjord only has like 900 residents in the in the town and Nordfjordide probably only has a couple thousand people living there. So 6,000, 6,000 people living there. So some of these are very small places that Disney's going to. And so they're really interesting. But yeah, I'm going to choose Olesund. So Sam. I loved Nordfjordide. I have to agree with <laughs> I have to agree with Chris because that helicopter tour uh, was just fantastic. And our, we had the same pilot. We were on a later helicopter tour than Chris and Sam were on. But Tomas, shout out to Tomas. He's, I'm sure, not listening to this podcast, but he was such an amazing uh, pilot, super experienced, was telling us about how uh, helicopter pilots here in Norway actually lay the power lines across the fjord, uh, across these you know hills. It's, it's really just incredible. We got to see such amazing sights, these beautiful, amazing glaciers from up above. Uh, we got to see some great shots of the magic in port at Nordfjordide. Uh, and then after our helicopter tour, because it was a short excursion, we got to walk around, you know, the town and hit up a couple of coffee shops, a couple of small little uh, stores. It, it was just a, a lovely place to visit. Sam, don't sell us short on Norwegian listeners. All right. We've got we've got at least one or two there, I think. But <laughs> so Thomas, if you're listening, love to the helicopter tour. All right. I'm going to tee up our last question for the roundtable here, which is just one highlight from the trip. Doesn't have to be port related or excursion related. Just one highlight from the trip and one spot where you think, you know, things could have been done maybe a little bit better. So going to hand it back over to Sam number two at the table <laughs> uh, to start us off. We're at Sam number one. Uh, <laughs> just a little correction there, but thank you, Brian. I, I couldn't pick a specific highlight. This was a bucket list cruise for me. I've always wanted to go to Norway. I did research projects about glaciers comparing Norway and Pennsylvania, uh, I multiple research projects about Norway. So just being here, I've been walking around with my rose colored glasses on, but every single piece of it was right up my alley. It was very much an adventure cruise, I would say, depending upon... And you can kind of tailor it how you want it to be. You can do as much adventure as you want, or maybe just explore the villages. We chose to do the more adventurous route and do some fun hikes, do the helicopter tours, of course. So that was that was really everything that I would have wanted in a Norwegian experience. For a low light, I couldn't pick anything about the cruise itself, about this itinerary itself. But there were a couple of complaints I had with the food, mostly with cabanas, with the breakfast, just the scrambled eggs. I think they're using some sort of egg substitute. And it is... It's not good. I, it just... It's rough. But other than that, I just... I had, a, I had the best time. So I'm going to pass to Chris. Well, can I, I just want to go back to the helicopter for one second because it, it says a lot about Disney. So the pilot was actually telling us that they brought in a more experienced pilot because at Disney, Disney said you need somebody who has more flying hours with with passengers and for safety reasons. And I think it says a lot about Disney and how they, they just have this demand that their, their guests are going to be safe. Um, and I was really and again, Disney didn't tell us that that was that came from the pilot. So it was I was really impressed with that. Uh, uh, highlight was, well, this is a belated honeymoon trip for us. So it, it's been a great spending time. And it's also a place that uh, neither of us have been. So it's been fun experiencing it together. Um, and then just being on a Disney ship is always just awesome. My uh, room for improvement, we were on a bus coming down and and they so they initially told us that our bus was delayed, which was not true. 
um, it was canceled. The bus didn't bus driver or whatever didn't show up. And so um, which if they had told us that we would have been like, oh, OK, we get it. But instead, they told they created this story around it. And and it was very, very uh, frustrating. So we and then the bus then the bus driver by law has to take breaks. And so we were at like this rest stop by the highway for for 45, 50 minutes, something like that. And it was just and then we we were literally the last ones on on the ship. Total first world problems, but we're doing a concierge trip this time. And one of my favorite things is on a concierge trip, you're invited on and you have a little slow lunch and you meet your concierge hosts. And it's such a lovely way to get on on the ship. And like I, we didn't get to do that because we literally got on the ship and then it shoved off again. If they had told us, we would have been, oh, my God, totally get that and understand it was like being misled about it. So it was it was disappointing. But, you know, again, first world problems and the rest of the trip's been awesome. Um, I have a few highlights. One is any time that I have with my family in a setting like this is an incredible gift. The second is this the wonderful logistics that Disney always injects in everything that they do and the attention to detail. Um, seeing Norway was like a dream come true. It's so beautiful. Um, low lights would be the amount of time that we were able to spend at the destinations for the port adventures. We were given literally 10 minutes at some of these places and you travel so far to go see it, maybe do fewer activities to allow used to spend more time at pulpit rock or at the waterfalls or at the glacier, whatever it might be. So, but otherwise it's an amazing experience and it's a blessing to be able to take any trip. And so for that, I'm truly grateful. I agree with Scott. It, it was a wonderful time to be with family. Disney does everything to perfection and we've really enjoyed that part. We, I also uh, enjoyed Norway very much. It was, it was really beautiful. We had done uh, Glacier National Park earlier right three weeks prior to this and just comparing the glaciers it was amazing how much more or thicker that the ice was at the glacier here than it was in, in uh, glacier national park we also um i'd say the low point was that we had 20 minutes at the waterfall but we spent an hour at a nature center that really did not need that and so it, it, it was a shame that we could not you know spend more time at the waterfall and it could maybe make not this i know it's the tour company but they could make their descriptions of the tours or excursions a little bit more accurate in terms of it not being a easy uh hike or a medium hike that is more you know a little bit plus on on the plus side because it it was a little bit a lot hard pulpit rock was a lot harder than they indicated and we're and we're experienced hikers but it was a lot (laughs) but they were also very enjoyable excursions thank you laura I'm kind of funny calling you Laura because I don't do that because you're my mother. But um, so this is Haley again. And um, I think my my highlight was just the scenery in general. The other two cruises that we've taken have been in the Caribbean. And I mean, I feel like if you've seen one Caribbean port, you've seen a lot of Caribbean ports. Like there's a lot of the sameness there. And it's it's nice and it's warm and it's relaxing, but it's not, you know, spectacular. Like I'm not using the word spectacular to describe, you know, going to... Jamaica. Um, no shade of Jamaica. Jamaica is lovely. But anyway, so so I think just for me, the biggest highlight was just the scenery itself, being on the ship, getting to look out at these incredibly stunning views all the time. This is like one of the cruises where you want to watch the sail in and the sail out. And we had people on our sailing that were getting up at what our cruise director referred to as strange o'clock um, to see the northern lights, which we didn't do because the wake up call for that is like 3 a.m. And it's just it's like right in the middle of sleeping time. And we just did not end up doing that. So we'll have to try to do that in the future. Cannot recommend the scenery more. Um, cannot recommend any itinerary that gets you to Norway more. Um, room for improvement. Um, I agree with my parents about the amount of time at the destinations on the port excursions. So I won't go into more detail on that. But I will say uh, this is a definitely a first world problem. But I think we were a little surprised and disappointed at the merch on the ship. There's like nothing specific to the sailing. There are like two things from the Norway Pavilion in Epcot, which we can buy in Florida. And, you know, really, we were if we were hoping for a special Disney cruise memento of this trip, there were none. But I did get a, a nice sweater in port and that will will work just fine. But yeah, that's true. If you are quadruple extra large, then maybe maybe so. But uh, for for me and not so much with the merch. But Drew, what do you think? 
I'll start with my area for improvement real quick. Just in the few cruises that I've been on compared to this, I, I think it's definitely starting to show its age a little bit. It's there's yeah, the ship is there's a few rough edges uh, that I've noticed while I've been on board. And so I definitely think it's uh, maybe time for a dry dock or at least a facelift or something like that to some of the areas on the ship. And my highlight, I loved sailing in and out of the fjords. Uh, I just sat down by a window for like an hour, a porthole on deck uh, three for like an hour and a half and just took a video of us sailing in and out of the fjords because it was so beautiful to see like all the small little villages and watch the sunset over them as we sailed in and out of them. So I just loved the the sailing in and out of the fjords. It was really cool. For uh, area of improvement, uh, uh, low life, I, I low. Yeah, low light. Excuse me, not a low life, but a low light. Um, I was going to bring up the activity descriptions as well, because even some of them are a little bit more physical than they t make it out to be. But even just being in the ports themselves, the ports tend to be very hilly, uh, cobblestones. So if you have some mobility issues, that might come into play. So you might want to think about that just being in the port itself. They're also the one I wanted to bring up since the description was taken was the supply issue on the um, how shall we say. The adult beverage side, they tend to be very low on certain things you're used to seeing on the ships. They still have your, you know, $450 pour for Pappy, but some of the other ones that they tend to have, they're actually super low on or out of stock on altogether. And with two more cruises to go before they get back to the States to really stock up on some of those, I think it might be a challenge getting some drinks if you're coming on in the next two weeks or so. This is Stacy. The highlights, I think, were just the the surroundings that we were in um, in every port. We have done the Alaska cruise before and it's even more spectacular with the uh, just the scenery and I've taken over a thousand pictures this cruise and I don't think they're going to do the justice of what we actually saw. A couple of little low lights. I would say that the quality in the dining room, the regular rotational dinings has really declined. Very noticeable to us. We've cruised with Disney over 20 cruises and just think that the quality of the food and the service uh, just was not what we were accustomed to um, as well as the merchandise in the shop have all the same thoughts on that. Um, very disappointed. Oh, yeah, sorry. Highlight um, would be the consistency of Palo, actually. Uh, we've done both brunch and dinner, and it's it has remained consistent, so I'm always one for consistency as well. And now we arrive at Sam number two. There's no way that I'm Sam number two on my own show. I don't think so. <laughs> so there's been a lot of things said that I have to completely agree with. So Scott and Laura already said this, but in Eidfjord, we did this waterfalls and nature center. That's how it was advertised. And we spent 90 minutes at the nature center, which was basically like a museum. Was interesting, but we could have spent a half hour at the museum and used that other hour to split between the waterfall and the dam where we were looking at a glacier. We got about 15 minutes at the dam and 15 minutes at the waterfall. And there was we really needed at least a half hour to 45 minutes at each of those spots and less time at the nature center. So that I have to agree with uh, with that one. Um, there's also definitely the merch situation. I have to agree with Haley on there's there. We were hoping from for some either specific to European sailings or specific to Norway sailing uh, merchandise or just or just just shirts. Right. As Chris is saying, just shirts to be be available. The highlights, of course, the ports were amazing. Uh, the view from Pulpit Rock was like no other, as as terrifying and exhausting as that hike was. And I agree with Laura, it was not described adequately as to how difficult that hike was. Um, but it was a wonderful view when you got to the top. Fantastic. But I'm going to give two highlights that are people related instead of site related. You can't stick to one ever. Never, <laughs> never, never. This is again, my show. I make the rules just like <laughs> just like when people do my rapid fire, I make the rules so I can give as many as I want. Uh, I'm going to say uh, one highlight was last night, 90s trivia. <laughs> with Scott and Laura and Haley and Drew, team Let's Get Quizzical, we won 90s music trivia. And I did get a little fidget spinner as a prize that I'm going to bring home to Nathan. So super excited about that. It was really fun. It was really fun doing a bunch of different trivias with them on this cruise. Brian and I are not trivia experts, uh, but we were with the human Shazam or human SoundCloud, Scott. He is 
the fastest I've ever seen at all music trivia, basically, um, and quite accurate as well. And the other highlight I will give is we got to have dinner most nights with just the most lovely couple, Chris and Sam, who are sitting right next to me. And it was just really enjoyable. It's always nice having good dinner companions. Today, we're so lucky we have amazing brunch companions, but uh, we love meeting people on our cruises, uh, some of whom obviously we knew before through the podcast, but not had ever had not ever met in person. So it's really nice to actually meet and spend time with folks that we've met through the podcast in person on board a Disney ship. There is nothing better than the amazing Disney Cruise Line community, uh, and we love sailing with it. Man, I don't think I can top any of this. Uh, so, uh, look, I am going to give one nitpick low light, which is just <laughs> the way that Disney has handled time zone changes on this cruise has been really difficult. Uh, so we had an hour time zone change last night and we woke up this morning uncertain as to what the correct time was, because earlier in the cruise, we also experienced a time zone change. Our phones and watches and everything had updated to the new time. But lo and behold, we were still on the old time on the ship. But this morning we, we were smart. We said, let's turn on the TV and see what time it is, because the TV TV time should be up to date. And it wasn't. And Sam found out an hour later that that she had gotten up an hour too early, basically. And so I just I thought that the time zone change, like the way they were sort of handling it was not uh, or messaging it wasn't great. I think everyone has given highlights that I would give. So I will follow suit with Sam. It's been great to meet people through this podcast and great to finally put faces to names and people that we would sail with again in a heartbeat. Uh, but I'm going to give a different highlight, which is just getting a chance to sail with Sam. Not I don't want to say without Nathan because we love our son, obviously, but it's always nice to have some time to reconnect as a couple. And I think it was just really fun for us to be able to go out and explore and do things together that we might not have been able to do otherwise with uh, with Nathan here since he's only eight. So that is my highlight was just getting a, a couple's week away in London and on a cruise. And uh, that's been fabulous so oh i love you too honey <laughs> with that we'll wrap this little segment up here and head back into the main show well we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at my path unwinding travel you know sam and i had a chance to meet several of the agents from my path unwinding travel on a recent cruise we did out of new orleans in february our first time sailing concierge and let me tell you those agents were so nice so welcoming and so knowledgeable to us they answered all of our questions about concierge even though we had not booked our vacation through them we have since joined several of their fabulous facebook groups where we've learned more about concierge and had even more questions answered and let me tell you they are just so responsive, so knowledgeable, so welcoming, such a positive energy in this community that we were so excited to welcome them on as our new show sponsor. So if you are interested in booking your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, you've been curious about concierge, you've been eyeing an Adventures by Disney, you've been wanting to explore an all-inclusive vacation or some new destination that maybe Disney doesn't go to, let me tell you, Karen and her agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel are the people to talk to. And remember, you don't pay anything extra to use a travel agent to book your travel, they get paid at the time you travel. And so you are leaving this great knowledge and expertise on the table if you're not using a travel agent to book your next fantastic vacation. So head on over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you and we know you'll have an amazing experience with Karen and the entire team over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks, My Path Unwinding Travel, for sponsoring the show. And now back to our episode. Okay, we're back. And Sam did mention a few shout outs. I want to give two more shout outs that we didn't give up front. One is to Matt and Joe, listeners that we met on board from the UK. So folks, we have gone international. This is prestige worldwide right here. We were shocked that people in the UK are listening. I guess I shouldn't be shocked. I do see our download numbers. I do know we have some UK listeners. So thank you to all of you for listening. And just a big shout out to Matt and Joe, who we met on the ship and saw several times around different ports because Matt is a photographer. And so we were constantly bumping into one another to take pictures and video and that sort of thing. So really fun to meet them on board. Other shout out I want to give is to a vlogger who decided to sail on Disney Cruise Line. First experience on Disney Cruise Line, he decided to sail on this Norway sailing as a solo cruiser aboard Disney Cruise Line. And that's Gary Bembridge, who has a YouTube channel that we will link to in our show notes. And Gary, I apologize if your name is pronounced Jerry or Gary. I know that the pronunciations over here are sometimes different than our Americanized pronunciations, but 
But you can find Gary at his YouTube channel, Tips for Travelers, or you can head over to Gary's website, tipsfortravelers.com. He's also on Facebook and all the other places. Again, we'll link to that in the show notes. But we were lucky enough to get some feedback from Gary about his first ever Disney cruise and wanted to share that with all of you now. So my background, talk a little bit about myself. So I cruise a lot. My Disney cruise was my 96th cruise I've been on, but I haven't actually totted out how many cruise lines. I've been on many, many cruise lines. And I do that because I enjoy it and also because I have my channel, Tips for Travelers on YouTube. So if people ever want to follow me, uh, it's Tips for Travelers as a channel on YouTube, remembering that Travelers is spelled with two L's the UK way. And then on there, you'll find links to all my usual Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So this is the answer to the question, how does DCL compare to other lines you've sailed on? Well, actually, the Dis- this Disney cruise was the 96th cruise that I've been on. I think I can probably say that it was different to any of those other 96 cruises that I've been on. And the really key thing that struck me about Disney Cruise Line being different is effectively it is a theme cruise. You know, they have theme parks. This is a theme cruise. It is all about Disney, every single aspect, right through everything you do with it. It's a decor. You know, the exterior of the ship had Goofy on the outside. You know, the tune played by the funnel when you're sailing out, the dining experience, the every, you know, the day, everything around the ship is really immerses you and is completely kind of Disney themed. You know, other cruises that you go on are much more sort of hotels. You know, a couple of them veer a little bit towards a more immersive experience. You've got something like, you know, Cunard, for example, which has, you know, harks back to sort of glory days of cruising. You know, they have Art Deco decor. They call their Britishness with afternoon tea and dressing up and stuff. But that was the biggest difference is it is fundamentally a totally and utterly themed Disney cruise. And it's very, that makes it very different to both that it's across every single aspect of it. And of course, that is Disney that makes it unique. So now this is the answer to the second question is, who would you recommend to tie Disney? Well, before I went on the Disney cruise, you know, a lot of my followers on my channel and stuff had asked me around, you know, who is Disney for? Do you have to be, you know, there with kids? Do you have to be a Disney fan? Can you go as an adult? And I came away from this cruise absolutely convinced of two things. Number one, you either need to be a diehard Disney fan or a big Disney fan. You need to know the films, you need to know the characters. Or secondly, you need to be really be going with someone that is a big Disney fan and you will just enjoy so much their enjoyment and thrill of being on board. I mean, you could see kids or even adults, fans of Disney just you know, almost beside themselves with excitement of what's going around. And I think it's really important because, you know, I'm not a particularly big Disney fan. I went to go and find out what the experience was like. And a lot of it went over my head. I'll give you one or maybe two examples. So, for example, I went to, on my second night, I was in the Rapunzel Royal Table and I had no clue really what was going on. I didn't understand the significance. I don't know who the characters were when they came on. You know, why did one guy have that kind of bucket on his head? And what was, you know, why was it a birthday party? And all that kind of stuff I didn't, because I'd never seen Tangled before. You know, many days later when they showed Tangled, it's all made sense suddenly. So I think you just don't appreciate it unless you're in it. You know, a lot of people said to me, did you enjoy the shows? I enjoyed the technical side of the show. I enjoyed the production values. I enjoyed the casting, you know, those kind of things. But, you know, they were Disney shows. And whilst I appreciate that, I didn't really massively enjoy the shows, to be honest, because a Disney show is not what I would normally go and see. That's why feeling to really appreciate it, you need to be a Disney fan or, you know, just being with someone that was just absolutely loving Disney. So that's who I would recommend going on a Disney uh, cruise. So it doesn't matter whether you're an adult, it doesn't matter if you're young, old, single, solo, whatever. But I think, you know, really being into Disney, and I think that's important, as I'll talk a little bit maybe later, is because, you know, the Disney experience and the Disney ship is almost as important, if not more important, than the actual destination and place you're going. So this is the answer now to the question, one place where Disney Cruise Line shine or one place where it needs improvement. Without a shadow of doubt, where Disney Cruise Line shines is just delivering the Disney experience. You know, it's weaved into everything they do. And particularly, I think, in the amount of resource and people and talent and passion of people that they put against delivering that experience. So if you take a look at those shows, you know, whether it's the sell-away party, the frozen deck party, or the actual performances in the main theater, or even the way they handle the character appearances, just the commitment to delivering that experience excellently and, you know, 
you know, Elsa being like Elsa, as I imagine her to be, or Mickey being like Mickey, or Goofy being like Goofy. I think that is really where they, you know, are phenomenal. And part of that, I think, is, you know, the kids' clubs. Great thing about, you know, being able to go and, and see the kids' clubs. I mean, they are just incredible. And talking to some of the, you know, people who work in the kids' clubs, their, their passion for the experience. I think that's, they just shine in being Disney by a long way. The area, though, I think that probably needs improvement was an area that I'd expected, to be honest with you, much better. Everyone said to me, food on Disney is amazing, it's incredible. I personally uh, felt that the food and the dining was where they need improvement. Now, the food itself is fine. However, if you compare it with the other premium cruise lines, which is the category they operate in, so you're celebrity, Princess Holland America, Virgin, Cunard, I would say they are mid-range, you know, celebrity, probably Holland America now. Virgin food is way better uh, than it is on Disney. Princess uh, P&O, probably falling a bit behind. So I think their food is now much more middle ground. I th- thought that their buffet, uh, you know, cabanas, and I think their informal dining, stuff like duck in and like I thought were kind of weak, certainly versus the competition. So food for me was an area I thought that they need to ratchet up uh, versus other people, particularly for the premium they charge. The other area in the whole dining area, so you know, most of those premium lines and the way people cruise nowadays is they they prefer anytime dining. And of course, Disney is very partly because of the way they structure it, you know, the early and late dining. And I think that's an area they need improvement on is to bring in more flexibility on dining. And you have no real proper non-themed, easy kind of dining experience, particularly as an adult like I was. You know, I, I I didn't want to go to the show kind of experience every night. And unless I played to go to Paolo, which was outstanding, I must say, you, there was no you know kind of calmer, quiet, non-themed place to go because obviously uh, the buffet option at Cabanas wasn't open at all. I believe when it's open on some ships, it's more kind of a set menu thing. So I do think that flexibility of dining, uh, overall food quality and dining is an area that I do think that they do need to improve. And I'm sure that's going to be kind of controversial with many diehard uh, Disney fans who love the food. So after brunch, uh, we did do a recording on board and I was trying to get our show wrapped up. So for all of you out there wondering about the speed of the internet, I can say we were able to publish a podcast while on board Disney Cruise Line. It was not fast, not by any stretch of the imagination, but it was doable. So that speaks volumes to the improvements that Disney has made to their onboard Wi-Fi. Sam also took an opportunity to do an interview with a cruiser who's been on board for about 145 plus straight days on the Magic since she transitioned over to the UK from the US. We will have that show out to you at another point in time. So we did record with a fabulous cruiser on board and can't wait to share his story with you. After all of that, we just decided to hang out in the adult pool a little bit. The adult pool on board is heated. I think we mentioned that earlier, but hit up the pool for a little while, hit up the hot tub for a little while. I did do one more ride down the aqua dunk just to close out the cruise. And then we had dinner that night in Animator's Palette for Animation Magic. Again, nothing extra special about Animator's Palette on board the Magic, but it was fun to have dinner there. Menu was the same. Show experience with the Animation Magic is the same. For those who haven't done it before, spoiler alert, you get to draw a cartoon character on a placemat kind of uh, uh, paper and then they scan those in and they animate them into a show at the end of your meal right before dessert so or during dessert so fun show to see i think that is a really great and repeatable show on disney cruise line after dinner we did a little 2000s music trivia and spoiler alert team quizzical did win sam and i did not count ourselves as part of team quizzical for that for that trivia sam also watched a broadway show on board or a broadway performer experience on board in fathoms i'll let her share a little bit about that yeah that was a fantastic experience um i got to see her name is lisa cravens i believe she played Mother Gothel in the Tangled show and played the evil stepmother or the, the stepmother in the Cinderella Twice Charmed show. Does a villain. She's just a fantastic villainess. I'm going to say that. I also loved she did some Mary Poppins uh, songs, basically a Mary Poppins medley. She was just fantastic. Um, I also saw the main stage show that night, Disney Dreams, an enchanted classic. Um, I actually think I forgot to talk about Once Upon a Song that I saw a couple nights before that, which was basically a, I'll call it a 
cabaret style show in the main stage theater of the Walt Disney Theater. Uh, there were six featured singers and featured dancers, and they did a bunch of different Disney songs, uh, mashups, medleys. It was just fantastic. So really fantastic entertainment overall on board the Disney Magic. All of these shows put together probably made for the best uh stage main stage entertainments that I've ever seen on the Disney on Disney Cruise Line which is saying a lot because obviously I've seen Beauty and the Beast and Frozen and Aladdin it, it was just incredible I have to say a fantastic main stage entertainment cast overall well we rounded our sea day by making sure we were all packed up and ready to go I will say we forgot to tag one piece of luggage the night before we set it out and so was a little nervous about what would happen in there, but for anyone who experiences that kind of mistake, it was waiting for us in the terminal. We just had to pick up our luggage that was tagged and then head over to the help desk and it was sitting right there. So disembarkation was a very smooth process for us. We took advantage of the concierge lounge uh, to disembark, got some food from Cabana's, ate it in our room, and then headed to the lounge and did the express disembarkation process. And uh, we're off the ship by about 7.30. We were due to meet a tour at 8 a.m. to head to the Harry Potter Warner Brothers tour experience just north of London at 8 a.m., but uh, disembarkation was very smooth. We just walked, literally got our luggage and walked straight through the terminal and out. There was no one checking passports or even customs there. I don't know if that's always the case, but it was the case for our disembarkation. But one to highlight this tour that we took to get from the ship to London or from the port to London. We're going to talk about it more in our bonus show, but it is a tour you can book through a company called International Friends. They met us at the port at 8 a.m. There was only five people plus our driver going to this. And so it ended up being a small van taking us to the tour and we were able to pre-book and uh, tell them how much luggage we had and everything fit just fine. So we headed over to the Warner Brothers Studios for the tour and then after the tour we went into central London and were dropped off at our hotel. So I think it's a fabulous way. They have some other tours that go to Canterbury and, and other places. So I would say there are lots of ways for you to disembark the ship in Dover and if you don't have to head straight to Heathrow uh, to spend the day doing something fun in the area and then heading to Heathrow or your downtown hotel. So overall I'd say this was a a great trip. It's probably our favorite cruise at this point from the scenery and port aspects. I'd say I don't rate it highly from necessarily the main dining service and food aspects. And the Magic is probably not my most favorite ship at this point, just because I think she's showing her age ready for a dry dock. And I think they need to make some upgrades to the Promenade Lounge and the Concierge area. But other than that, we did enjoy being on board the Magic. I don't know, Sam, final thoughts on the Magic and the trip overall? I agree with you, Brian. About the age of the ship and the food quality or the food service, I should say, uh, um, not being top notch. But as I said just a little bit ago, the entertainment was top notch on this ship and the ports were just fantastic. Even though we not every excursion like hit it out of the park, the ports and the locations that we got to see were just incredible. I mean, seeing the glaciers, seeing the fjords, being up in a helicopter. Helicopter. This is an unparalleled trip. I, I'm not sure what will beat this. Maybe Alaska next year, but it was a fantastic cruise. I would highly recommend the Norwegian Fjords to anybody who is thinking about cruising in Europe. I will say I'm not sure it's a great cruise for little kids. I think it would be a decent cruise or a good cruise for kind of preteen teenagers, but I'm not sure little kids are the way to go for this cruise. All right, we're going to wrap up our trip report there. Appreciate everyone hanging in because I know this is going to be a longer episode than normal, but appreciate you all hanging in and listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you've got questions about this Norway cruise, feel free to reach out. We're happy to get into more detail with anyone out there. Also, if we get enough questions, we may do a little extra bonus show to answer those questions. But for now, we're going to leave it there. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. See you soon. you enjoyed our coverage of our fabulous Norwegian Fjords cruise on Disney Cruise Line. It is quickly become one of our favorite cruises on Disney Cruise Line, if not our favorite. And uh, I know Sam wants to sail it again. I am looking forward to getting back to Europe at some point in the next couple of years to go on another Disney cruise over there. So fabulous, fabulous time and hope you enjoyed all the coverage. With that, I do have another five-star review to read on the air this episode. This one comes from Snow White R, who writes, Nanny Land Approved. What a joy speaking with the DCL duo recently. We were very 
very thankful to share our information about Nanny Land and taking a Disney nanny on the cruise line. We look forward to chatting with Brian and Sam again soon. Yes, and for all of you out there, we have an episode coming out about Nanny Land, a fabulous service that provides nannies on board the cruise line and at the parks and some other things. So watch out for that episode soon. Happy to share that service with you. And we have an affiliate link you can use to help support the show and I think get a little bit of a benefit on your end if you decide to book a nanny with them. So more to come there. With that, I do just want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. If you'd like to find all the ways you can connect with us, head over to www.dclduo.com. It connects to our blog, our YouTube channel, ways to connect with us. You can also head over to Facebook and join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join in a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit those five stars. They really help us out. If you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. And if you'd like to connect with us directly, two great ways to do it. Email us at dclduo at gmail.com or you can also leave us a voicemail on our voicemail line. Again, for everyone out there, that number is 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. We do have a couple voicemails in the queue that we will be answering and responding to on the air here soon. So your voicemail could be next. Head over there, leave us one. We love to get questions, comments, whatever. We'll respond to them on the air. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash dclduo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for helping to defray the cost of the show each and every month. Or you can head to mypathunwinding.com slash dclduo to book your next fabulous Disney vacation. Use that link so they know we sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.